welcome uh, to the first podcast of Fuerza, a grasshopper type of podcast, the inside mind of the ridden athlete, the ridden, get it? Ridden as in driven. And our first guest today is Katie Hall. Um, Katie's coming, coming to us live from her new home in Seattle. So welcome, Katie. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here as your first guest. This is really exciting. Yes, yes, it's exciting for me as well. So I have several uh, tabs pulled up here and some notes from you and a map. And I understand uh-huh. that you're in Seattle right now. Is that true? Yep. Yeah. yeah. I moved back to Seattle. I, I'm from here originally and I was gone, you know, mostly in California for 15 years. And now I'm back in Seattle and it's been uh-huh. quite an experience. Does it feel like coming home? It does. A little bit feels like coming home, but I also think moving in a pandemic is like a weird time to move because like when we first moved here, everything is shut down. It's like all these things that you like want to do in Seattle, you can't, can't do. And, you know, we didn't see that much family at the beginning, but now it's getting a lot more normal and feeling more like home. Right. And I understand uh, that in your change, leaving cycling, that your new field of study is as a physical therapist, right? Yep. I'm in school at the UW to become a physical therapist. But that was a shift. So I, I think I first met you when you were at UC Berkeley and mm-hmm. you, were, you, were, you were studying in a dungeon of sorts yeah. with your background in toxicology. Uh, yeah. How was that related or, or connected to or, or, or is it to uh, what you're doing now? Yeah, I would say not super connected. I think when I went to school for when I went to school, grad school the first time, I was like really trying to do something where I could use my like sciencey background to affect human health. And I was studying toxicology with this idea that we could like make a um, a change for people for the better. And it turned out that it was like so far removed that I found it really hard and aggravating, and I and I sort of just hated spending all my time in a basement. Uh, running kind of lab equipment and I started riding my bike a lot <laughs> in that time. And that's sort of how I got out of that grad school path and um, started racing my bike. But I knew in 2013 that I wanted to go to school to be a PT and do something more applied, more like face to face and um, affecting human health or people, people helping people move better, feel better. Um, yeah, lab was one step too too far removed for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so for the listeners and folks that don't know, I mean, you you're, you had incredible success over a very short period of time as a cyclist, and it wasn't growing up watching the, the Tour de France, uh, dreaming of becoming a cyclist. You sort of stumbled uh, upon that, and uh, you started riding and racing bikes in your graduate in graduate school. Is that right? Yeah, at UC Berkeley. Uh, yeah, I joined the bike team because also when I started grad school, I was the only person in my program in my year. And I was like, I need to make some friends. <laughs> and I like riding my bike. And so I joined the bike team there. And yeah, started racing collegiate in California in 2010, I think. Yeah. So tell me about when you're when you're when you're younger, then we'll go back a little bit into the past because, you know, some people are surprised when they discover this this uh, latent or dormant um, ability one has where things, Oh, I'm a pretty good athlete. And you played a bunch of different sports, but uh, at one point, you know, you notice that, you know, you're chatting and none of all your friends are quiet, maybe on a ride, but tell me about yeah. when, when you were younger, was there uh, something that drew you to a sport where you had that inner drive to be really good 
at those? I mean, what, what, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, I played a lot of sports as a kid, uh, kind of like dabble, like not, not really in, uh, depth in any of them kind of did a different sport every, uh, quarter of school. And I would say I was like a, a pretty mediocre athlete, but often an athlete that had strong legs within that discipline. Like I played a lot of water polo and I was fine at water polo, but I was very good at treading water. <laughs> and I think my, like, that's just my natural, um, strength is kind of aerobic and especially leg strength and finding something where that is like the meat of it uh, was kind of how I fell into cycling and really feel like this was my, this was my place, but it just took me a long time to find it. That, that's fantastic. So, you know, just to highlight a little bit your, your career, you know, um, your transition from collegiate to UHC uh, winning some local races like the Tam Hill climb and Nevada city uh, and then success in Redlands. And then before, you know, it, in 2018, I think you won everything that, that you raced in. Mm -hmm. So tell me about, I mean, that's, that's only four years. Yeah. So, um, did it, who, who are the people that were instrumental in saying, you know, Hey, you, this is something that you are good at. You should challenge yourself more at, and, and did it come from inside you or with amongst your friends? Yeah. I think uh, a big one was Rachel Heal, who was the director of United Healthcare for all five years that United Healthcare was a team. I think she really took a chance on me. She hired me as a, um, the first year of the team and I had raced collegiate nationals and I had raced two NRC races that um, I hadn't been on the podium in anything. And so um, just, just her to take a chance on me, I feel like was a pretty huge thing. And my first year, like I was really green. I had no idea kind of how this world worked. And, um, I was pretty afraid in the bunch. And, uh, I, I also just like that first year on UAC, I really didn't have very much to show for it, but I feel like Rachel just like kept giving me a chance and hired me a second year and, like it took it took me five years to get it really figured out. It was it was five years that I was on United Healthcare, and by the fifth year, I feel like the pieces just really came together. And I had like you know I had worn a, a jersey here and there before that, but I I hadn't I don't think I had won a stage race before 2018, and it was just my my year that I had like picked up all the pieces um, throughout that time, and it kind of came together. And I feel like. Also, a huge part of that was having just like a really fantastic team of girls that year. Um, yeah, just like su uh, supporting me across it all. And, and that was how I think we had so much success that year. And with your first big stage race was down in um, the Tour of San Luis, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time ra racing outside of the country in a UCI race. Um, that wasn't my first race, but that was my first uh, GC win in a UCI race. Okay. And, and tell, tell me about that when you were there, maybe some expectations of winning a stage or doing well, um, and it transformed into and fighting for the GC and winning overall. What, what was that experience like in being in, you know, in, in South America racing? Yeah, I I really liked South American racing. I think one of my actually my first race on United Healthcare was in El Salvador, and I had never I had never been. Yeah, it was my first race, and it was pretty crazy just in terms of um, 
road closures were not always that thorough. <laughs> we had like some dogs running through the Peloton sometimes. Uh, there was a lot of just like, it kind of felt very chaotic. And I was like, this is awesome. This is so fun. And I think everyone who had raced in America before was like, this is crazy. <laughs> uh, normally racing is like much more controlled than this. Um, but I had, I had no, if you have no experience, like it seems like that's normal to you. Um, but yeah, South, yeah, South American racing was fun. The, the, it was much less predictable because you didn't know the Peloton a lot of the time. And usually we were uh, strong amongst the Peloton. And so it felt like it was like our race to dictate a little bit. Um, but yeah. Ra- and it had, it had, it had the, some of the climbs that, that suited you, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, big, big climbs. Sometimes that you didn't know. I can remember, I don't know if it was El Salvador or San Luis, but like they uh, drew the profile for the course for the day. And they picked like four or five points throughout the race and correctly plotted the elevation and then just drew straight lines across those four points and missed like a 3000 foot climb in the middle (laughs) between two of those points. So it was, it was really like, uh, and we didn't have time to pre-ride all these courses. So you know, uh-huh. you just you start going up and you had no idea how long you're going. You, you don't know what's happening sometimes. It was it was really exciting. It was really fun racing. Yeah, yeah, that is. Rather yeah. than having studied uh, intimately the playbook and know every single no. grade, yeah, more, r- a, more room for improvising. Yeah, uh, a 3,000 foot climb that was missing in the <laughs> profile was <laughs> sort of exciting. Subtle, <laughs> subtle, <laughs> subtle with, uh, <laughs> with animals crossing the street and, yeah. and trucks and whatnot, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's different. It's different being in being in Latin America. I enjoy that riding as well. It's a, yeah, you know, sometimes you have trails that are new to you, and you're improvising, singing for the first time. But when you have elements like that on the road, it's uh, yeah, it's a whole di- it's a whole different thing. Um, yeah. but be- beautiful roads, beautiful courses, people that are super excited about cycling, uh, ra- racing in Latin America and South America is really fun. That's great. So our next podcast follow up will be in Spanish, right? <laughs> uh, We'll get, we'll give it a shot. (laughs) So I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, this idea of the inside mind of the ridden athlete, right? And so it's easy to look at the results and success of an athlete. You know, you might, for example, on the tour, you see Cavendish winning, which is a beautiful song, beautiful story. And then you think about the, the years and weeks and months that go into training um, oftentimes against maybe what one may want to be doing, whether it's uh, the, the time of the day or it's, or it's the weather. Um, so tell me what it is for you or when you were a racer um, that, you know, motivated you to, to put in that work, you know, and I know uh, in looking at the things that people said about you is that you're always looking to improve and to um, look as at obstacles as a way to, you know, challenge your, yourself um, and keeping racing fun. So I want to, you to speak to a little about the idea of like challenge yourself, setting goals, keeping it fun. It, that's a different, that's a difficult uh, uh, balance to keep. And, and yeah. how did you, how did you do that as an athlete? Yeah, I think that is a tricky one. I think I really like riding my bike and that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> I just like to get out and ride. And I especially like to get out and ride with like a nice group of friends. And so I think 
yeah, I did a lot of kind of just group training, group riding, um, finding people that uh, I just really get along with and also can kind of set the set the pace that I want to set for five or six hours. And I feel really grateful for the the group of friends I had in California when I was there because I just I just had a lot of um, strong friends to ride with. And that is just the best thing in the world, I think. Uh, when you when you've yeah. got people, yeah, that you get along with, and also can ride, yeah, five hours on a Wednesday is pretty sweet. Right. Um, yeah. The the depth of the women's field. I mean, I you know I think this year will be twenty four years putting on the grasshoppers and having women come from you know the peninsula and from the Bay Area yeah. and, and Santa Cruz. The the talent pool. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just it's just remarkable. When I first started doing these, a friend said, "Oh, you know, big fish, little pond." And I thought, "No, I don't I don't I don't see it that way." No. No, it's an amazing the Bay Area has an amazing group of especially women cyclists and just I feel like they bring each other up and like we are all a lot better for riding with each other like it, it always pushes me to ride with like Catherine curry and kate courtney and leia and all these people um yeah just- and uh and uh noticeably the the, the education level is is astronomical yeah. for the women's yeah. field like yeah. do you not let people in if they don't at least have their master's degree is that like <laughs> part of the qualifying thing yeah it's a uh, Women's cycling has a lot of uh, badass, smart, and accomplished women, like in multiple. It's just this, like, motivated to be the best in whatever they do. And yeah. Speaking of that, cool. so uh, when you um, were still studying yeah, in, in Berkeley, did you mm-hmm. find yourself becoming more of a cyclist than, than a student? Did you observe yourself with this transition of what you're falling in love with? And yeah. and leaving something that you had invested a lot of time with. Yeah. I found after a while uh, in Berkeley that just like research wasn't the, uh, wasn't satisfying work to me. It was too much work uh, before you accomplished very much. And so it was, it was an interesting, it was interesting to figure out what I was going to do. Like I was on this very kind of straight and narrow path where, you know, I went to college, I studied chemistry Almost everybody I know went straight to grad school, um, straight, you know, PhD programs, they're professors and doctors and uh, now, but I got there and I was like, oh, this is not what I want to do. Um, but yeah, starting to make a, a new plan for myself. And I, I felt like when I started racing, I was like, oh, I'll do this for a year while I figure out what I'm going to do after cycling. <laughs> uh, it'll give me a year to kind of maybe apply to PT school uh, make sure this is what I want to do. Uh, but then I just, yeah, fell in love with cycling and seven years later, um, I was still doing it. So, yeah. And, and I know in, in following you as a, as a, as a fan and as a friend seeing your, your, your year with, um, with Bulls Dolmans and looking for a second season, getting ready for that. And then having COVID hit, looking for that last year, that, I imagine was on top of just what we were going through as, as a nation and as a world was, was yeah. difficult for, for you. Um, um, do you have thoughts of, well, maybe I could get back to racing while you're doing this or you feel like you're done, done. 
I'm done for a while. I think um, racing sort of disappeared at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. And I felt like uh, my job has completely stopped. And that's not a loss to this world. I mean, it's a loss. Like bike racing is awesome. But I really felt like I, I knew I had this. Uh, I feel like when the PTs stopped working, like it was worse for people. Like people really benefit from access to healthcare. Um, and I like, yeah, I like to watch bike racing, but when both of those things stopped happening, I thought like, what do I want to be involved in? I'm ready to be in this role that really directly helps people. Um, yeah. So that was part of, yeah. part of that decision. Yeah. Yeah. And that you weren't, you weren't cut adrift at a time that you didn't have any, any bearings of what you were doing. So you, I'm sure you're thankful for that. You, you meet that was yeah. the direction you're headed. Yeah. I had a, I had a really tidy 2020 planned. I don't know if I told you this, but like I was on the long team for the Olympics and then world championships was September 29th. And then PT school started on October 1st. <laughs> and so I had a weekend to move from Europe uh, to Seattle and get started with school and I was just gonna uh, be very tight and not really give myself any downtime but you know then we had a pandemic and had a lot of downtime <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, I want to ask you a, story, a question about a story that I heard from from Lauren on a ride I was asking her about uh -huh. you preparing preparing for a question so you guys were uh stalked into bikepacking and uh -huh. you're in Idaho I don't know if she talked you into it but maybe you hadn't done it before yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that was my first time, like really camping, bikepacking. I had done like hotel bikepacking, which is a lot less stuff to carry. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't remember the story exactly, but it was something along the lines that, you know, you're just riding for fun doing it. I know knowing her crazy, crazy, big, long, hard days. Yeah. Uh, and then you somehow got the message that the racing season was going to happen. So you're shifting into training while you're bikepacking. Yeah. Is, is that, is that a true story? And how, how does, how does that I, happen? What? I, I think it was, we were, we went on this five day bikepacking trip and I was like, I got to do some intervals still because I thought I was going to the world champs still that year. And was like, you know, we're, we were on a five or it might've been seven day, uh, gravel bikepacking loop of the Idaho hot springs mountain bike loop which is really fun and i want to highly recommend that to everybody um but i checked my email and i think i learned i wasn't going to world champs that year um because i hadn't raced since february or something and then you know then it became only pure fun and it was kind of whatever we wanted to do any intensity uh, no more thinking about like, Oh, I might be racing in a month. I might be racing. Uh, I need to keep the pressure on the pedals, do some intervals within this bikepacking trip. And yeah, then we started drinking more beers, I think. <laughs> and just, just made it really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. What, what, what an awesome adventure. And so that ended up being what we said, five days of, of hot spring to hot spring. Yeah. Idaho is an amazing place to ride around because they have hot springs. Like it was about every 10 miles on this uh, 400 mile loop. And I think we did, we did a partial loop and you can also do a 700 mile loop and you can ride for quite a long time. But yeah, 
there's no cell phone service in Idaho, like basically anywhere. And that was surprising to me. I didn't really realize there were still places in the US that you don't have cell phone service. And so just plan your trip well if you if you go out there. Yeah, and make sure that you have whatever maps downloaded for that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so I remember I I I wanna guess it was 2015 that mm-hmm. that I'm that I met you. And so for me, as the grasshoppers evolved, I think it was, yeah. you know, 98 to 2007. I mean, yeah, the internet happened, but really there was no advertising and it was, it was word of mouth. And, uh, you know, I would, yeah. I start, I didn't, couldn't really keep track of who was coming. It was not coming. I, and I, but I do remember you showing up and, and, and I believe you were, and your husband was at Metro Mint. There was like a Metro Mint team. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think you came up for old Kaz. Does, uh-huh. does that sound right? I I don't know if that was the first one. I think I might have like snuck in under the radar a couple of times yeah. before that. Um, just as a maybe in my Cal kid or could have been Matt uh-huh. I don't know. Um, but yeah, we started doing those like I think as soon as I was at Cal. Um, yeah. So I noticed on your Wikipedia page, it doesn't include your your old Cal's victories. It should. <laughs> or I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to up, update update. Yeah. Those. Yeah, and I do remember the year when when you finally got a gravel bike. Yeah, quote unquote was, gravel bike. I did a lot of hoppers on a road bike, like yeah, three or four years of hoppers on road bikes. Yeah, and yeah, gravel bikes are really fun, especially descending in the dirt. <laughs> Absolutely, you can yeah. send it, not worry about flat. Because I remember you on the road bike, so you know when when I was trying to compete and and keeping track of who was behind me, it'd be like. I think it happened three times on Willow Creek. I'm like, oh man, she's going to catch me now. Like, I'm, <laughs> you know, the, you wouldn't see you until you were there. Like this, this deep part on the, on, on the road bike, just dancing up on with your road pedals. Oh, hi, Meg. Yeah. Hi, Meg. <laughs> and then you got yeah. your gravel bike and uh, we never, we never saw you again. Oh yeah. I miss those. I, t- I still think that is some, some of the best riding in the whole world. I think, uh, grasshoppers were a big part of me and my husband's like early dating. Uh, we did a lot of hoppers together and I think just fell in love with this part of California. And we like, we got married at the top of Coleman Valley road because we loved this part of California and just riding around there was just kind of formative in our relationship. So part of why we're married. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Did you get married at Ocean Song? Yep, we got married at Ocean Song, and we had our uh, reception at the Occidental Hotel. Uh, or, out on Sol- on Solstice Hill. Um, I don't know. That, that no, oak, not on Solstice oak. Hill. In that we had, we were too big to go out on the little hill. Oh, okay. So we were, uh, just in the grass. Yeah, that's that's fun. Yeah, it's still I I can still get out, and, and it feels new. I took my son just for his 18th birthday, and we did King Ridge for the first time. We've been riding mountain bikes. We parked in Duncan's Mills, and. Oh. You know, to do it in the middle of the week in the summer where you see one or two cars and, um, yeah. you know, we, we still have these roads where uh, they're, you know, it's so quiet and, and remote. There's something, yeah. something grounding it's about amazing. that. It's amazing. Yeah. Some of the best roads anywhere in the world. And technical. The only reason I started riding my road, road bike, I mean, I was a mountain biker, but, yeah. you know, if you're riding King Ridge and dropping into Hauser Bidge, you, you, you have to have the, the skills as, as a mountain biker, yeah. you know, to... The, yeah. the follow the line the lines there all right so i'm gonna diverge a little bit and I, i'll see where this goes so i have a couple of segments i want to do here and this one 
I'm going to call this this or that. All right. And uh-huh. so I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say two things and you're going to pick one of them. Uh-huh. So, okay. You ready for this? Sure. Not, not too personal, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, Curious what things are going to be. Okay. Uh, climb or descend? Descend. Especially now that I've retired. I just want to say. <laughs> okay. uh, mountain bike or road? Mountain bike. I just got a new mountain bike this week and I'm obsessed with it. So, <laughs> Heat or rain? Heat all the time. Mountains, ocean. Mountains. Pasta, sushi. Sushi. That's a nice one. You don't get those two compared too often. Yeah. That's, well, once your kid's favorite food becomes sushi and not pasta, you're like, oh, man. That's <laughs> okay. Astronaut, sailor. Oh, sailor. Sunrise, sunset. Sunset. Books or movies? <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to say the sunrise in Seattle right now is at like 4.30 in the morning or something. <laughs> it's way too early. We're so far north that our days are so, so long. I'll, I'll make a note that it's geographically dependent yeah. <laughs> on that question. Okay. Uh, books or movies? Uh, books. Cho- yeah. Audio books. Choc- Maybe on your bicycle even. <laughs> uh, chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Have to or get to? get to i like that one that's like that's a good attitude to work on i think yeah all right well well, thanks so with that i want to lead that into um you know a, a discussion you know and your positivity as a person as an athlete you know stands out for first and foremost and i wanted to hear your thoughts about um you know I know in cycling, sometimes we can, we can take a stand or not. And, and I think it's a tricky time right now, uh, socially, politically, environmentally, uh, mm-hmm. where people want to speak out and stand up for things. Uh, and we're quick to respond and uh, comment and post on social media. Uh, but yet there's some, some deeper uh, movements. And within cycling, I've noticed that, that there's a big movement towards, you know, equity and parity um, mm-hmm. in the women's field. And I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit, but, you know, both, you know, what you saw, uh, what it's like in in the pro peloton, and then, you know, where where do you see the, the movement in that right now? Is that is that something that um, is going to improve at the speed that we want it to? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, cycling has uh quite a history i think of uh, existing in this kind of white space and also a pretty big barrier to entry for a lot of people but i think um when i think about cycling cycling is so much bigger than just racing and i think that's what i'm trying to get involved with in my retirement is not not necessarily just uh supporting more diversity in racing, but just in bikes in any fashion. Bikes are so, um, yeah, so much more than just racing. And I think like recreational riding is so fun. I'm, I'm quite into commuting here in Seattle and just getting my classmates commuting. Um, I'm involved in this program called Outride. And Outride is, uh, used to be the Specialized Foundation but is just trying to support getting more kids on bikes and more kids exposed to bikes. 
And one of the really cool programs at Outride is called Writing for Focus, where they help get um, middle school PE programs, a set of bikes. So one school has one set of like 30 bikes and all the kids get to ride bikes in PE. And I just think it's awesome. I'd like to talk to some of these teachers who, you know, some of their middle school kids have never ridden a bike before and they get them on a week, within a week kind of learning uh, how to ride, how to be safe. And so many of these kids uh, discover that they love cycling and they can be, you know, commuters to school or can bike for fun. And um, yeah, part of this was also just uh, understanding that bikes really uh, have a benefit, uh, a positive effect on kids' mental health and kids. Um, yeah, both just both getting uh, bikes are a way to get a really kind of high intensity of exercise, which is one thing we talk about in PE a lot or in, in physical therapy is PE isn't always vigorous exercise and kids really need vigorous exercise every week. And bikes are one avenue to get there. Um, this kind of exercise helps kids focus at school. Um, yeah, helps them just feel good and, and helps with things like ADHD and yeah. So I'm excited about getting involved in bikes for some of these slightly different, uh, not, not just pro cycling, but more, more kids on bikes, especially here in Seattle. Yeah, that's a great answer. So, I mean, obviously the one is, one is uh, equity within, with the pro field and then just access to, to bikes. Uh, yeah. uh, one of my, one of my close friends, Jeremiah Comenson, who's a teacher at Windsor High School, he teaches one of those, one of those classes and it's yeah. incredibly f- fulfilling for, for him. Um, yeah. and most of my writing friends, I mean, they're kids, people who needed those programs, you know, yeah. of that, of that, of that, of that movement. Um, and I know Nika has done a fantastic job of getting kids on bike and, you know, and most of them just want to ride racing's kind of, you know, I think for the, for the boys, it was third. And for the girls, it was like eighth of the reasons of why they would join their high school team. Bikes are more than just racing. And I mean, like, yeah, hoppers are more than just racing too. Like, I think I really raced some of them at the end, but all the first hoppers I went to, we just like rode in a pack with our friends and you like waited for somebody to change a flat and like, uh, all these things are, are so much more than just, just a race. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for saying so. It's, it's been, you know, my goal along to create that space where people can be yeah. you know competitive at the sharp end, you know, and it's kind yeah. of funny where, you know, cycling news is writing us about and Bellow news of the kickoff, but, you know, yeah. thinking about the people that, you know, take twice, twice, twice as long. Um, yeah. Hoppers are awesome because they can be fun for that whole population. <laughs> yeah. So you, you mentioned like the, the, the mental, uh, the, the, for ADHD and the focus. And, and, and I, I said this jokingly, but I take it, I mean it very seriously in that, you know, if I were to put a, a slogan on a t-shirt, it would say, um, bringing the stoke to ask at risk adults since 1998. <laughs> Because yeah. us as people, we don't really stop being at risk. Obviously, that trajectory when we're young, um, bad decisions and, and not support can lead us down a path. But, um, you know, for mental health, which is another area I want to delve into in these in these podcasts, is, is we, I would say all of us or almost all of us are dealing with that on one level or another. And most people that I know that are committed cyclists um, they they couldn't stop writing, but they probably shouldn't stop writing. Um, yeah. it, it, it's it's a 
it's a balance. And I think that we have that collectively in common, um, is, is something. Did you, do you feel that your transition, uh, from the competitive field where you're putting in that many hours until now that you're, that you've found a nice balance? Are you finding yourself to able to get needing to get more hours than maybe you have time for? Um, it's, it's, it's been all over the map in this last year, I think. Um, one of my friends has organized a 215 mile bike ride for like a week and a half from now. And so I've been trying to get a little more hours in this last quarter to survive this long bike ride. Um, yeah, it's, you know, some weeks have been super busy and I haven't gotten to ride all that much. Also, it's been a little bit of getting used to Seattle winter. I've been in California for 10 years or something. Um, biking in Seattle in the winter is not as fun, <laughs> but it's pretty great right now. Uh, I feel, I feel really grateful actually for cycling as a source of community. Like we moved here in a pandemic and it was sort of not, I mean, it, hanging out inside was not, a thing we did very much in September, October when we moved here, but I met a really cool group of women that ride bikes here in Seattle. And that I think is a thing that like really helped me with this transition, sort of surviving this very isolated year. Um, I feel, yeah, cycling, cycling saved me. (laughs) Like it was dark. It was cold. I met people. We we rode around Marshall Island at 630 in the morning in the rain all the time, uh, in the dark, in the rain. (laughs) And if it weren't for this group of people, I think uh, it would have been a lot harder. Yeah. I mean, as a cyclist, I think you could go anywhere on the planet and find other people just as crazy wanting to go do the thing. So you have that in common, pretty much whatever continent you, you drop into, right? It's amazing. Yeah. It's been such a, a change. I, you know, I thought I had the best thing ever in California and it was really wonderful, but we're new here and there's tons of nice people that ride bikes here too. <laughs> and that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, this, the, the cyclists that I've talked to um, about their experience during COVID and I think most of us feel that we are the most fortunate of, of all people um, during COVID in that we were able to practice what is our, hobby, our passion for some people, their livelihood and our social, our our way of being as a community. It's not at Mm -hmm. a bar or at a golf course or, and, and though we took breaks when, when we weren't riding with anybody for the most part, we able to keep that intact with those small groups, not with the number of friends we have on Facebook, but like that, that group, you know, and, um, I, though the normal that's come back means the piling on all the other little stressful things is happening. I think we've all taken away the value that that, that has for us. Yeah. I I feel there's like a, here, it seems like there's a really renewed uh, gr- sense of gratitude for this community as it's starting to come back together. Um, you know, I, we, there's these like Thursday night, weeknight crits that just started again this last week. And Uh, you know, it just felt like there was a lot of like people that don't necessarily like getting beaten by each other, but we're just so happy to be there and like racing and whatever fitness they had, just like to have this community coming back. Uh, cause I think we just missed a lot of it too. Yeah. 
and 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 along with that, you know, people did the virtual formats, and and what was missing that that competitive element, which is you know as much personal as it is measuring um, with other people, and it's and it's yeah. biochemical. You know, for for us that can't let go of it, it's getting to that endorphin state yeah. that that we really thrive at, and we can do that on group rides, or yeah. we don't have to travel across the country, um, yeah. across the country to do that. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat and I hope we can see each other on, on the, on the bikes. Uh, I'd like to come up that way and, uh, yeah. down, down this way or, uh, can drag you down through the mud of low gap. I can't trick you anymore with. <laughs> I would love that. I'm really miss, I'm missing that community. And yeah, if you ever end up here, there are some really fun gravel roads around here, especially like the Olympic peninsula, um, out in the Cascades, the the road riding is kind of mediocre, but the gravel riding up here is, is really great. That's all right. This was the first year I actually traveled with a gravel bike. I thought it would never happen. I've always told people uh-huh. if I put a bike in my car, it's my mountain bike. Uh-huh. Um, but my gravel bike can be built to the point that you know it's, it's super capable. And and yeah. I think uh, you know I was just looking at the map where you are. And one of my favorite areas is Southern Oregon. Um, uh-huh. I almost moved there. So from, you know, the watersheds of the, the Rogue and the Willamette yeah. and the and the Mackenzie, um, mm-hmm. it's a welcoming place as well as uh, um, Washington for recreating California. Mm-hmm. If you stop and they tell you where not to go and what not to do. Yeah. And in Oregon and Washington, there's, there's, there's endless, there's endless uh, places to go and explore. Yeah. A lot of space, a lot of people mm-hmm. using it. It's, it's a good, good community out all right. Well, thanks so much, Katie, for your time yeah. and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. Good luck in your studies. Thank you so much. It was really nice to chat. Good luck with the rest of this podcast. Cheers. Cheers.